0: Good morning. morning. Our scripture this morning are Paul's brief and to the point words from 1 Corinthians verses 7 through 9. I wish that all were as I myself am, but if they are not practicing self-control... Excuse me. I skipped ahead already. I was trying to get it over with. (laughs) I wish that all were as I myself am... But each has a particular gift from God, one having one kind and another a different kind. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is well for them to remain unmarried, as I am. But if they are not practicing self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> I told him this morning, I said, well, I gave you a short reading, but it's not an easy reading. You did fine, Dale. You did fine. (laughs) So so years ago, I was uh, I was a pastor in a little country church. Uh, in in that church, there was a woman whose name was Barb. Uh, Barb was one of the pillars of the church. As far as I was concerned, Barb was a superhero. She she did everything. She baked the communion bread. She taught Sunday school. She sang in the choir. She showed up for every program and event and ministry and potluck in the church. Barb was was always there. She was always serving. And one year, it was right around this time of year as we start to, to assign people and ask people to serve on committees, we, we found that we were in need of a new church council chairperson. And as I scratched my head and thought about who might make a good church council chairperson, I, I thought about Barb. I said, well, she bakes the communion bread, she teaches Sunday school, she, she sings in the choir. Barb would make a great church council, council chairperson. And so I stopped by her house and I, I sat with her in her living room and I said, Barb, I said, we need a new church council chairperson. And I said, you bake the, the communion bread and you teach Sunday school and sing in the choir. You you show up for everything that happens in the church. Your faith is an example for all of us. I said, Barb, would you would you please, would you please be willing to serve as our next church council chairperson? And Barb, she looked at me, and she said, well, she said, Pastor, I want you to know that I'm honored to be asked, which is never a good good way to begin the answer to answer <laughs> to that question. I'm honored to be asked, she said, but the thing is, she said, I, I couldn't possibly serve as the church council chairperson. I said, Barb, why, why not? Why can't you be the church council chair? And she said, well, the thing is, she said, I, I'm not actually a member of the church, And I said, what are you talking about? I was flabbergasted. I said, Barb, you have been worshiping in this congregation for 40 years. You bake the communion bread. You teach Sunday school. You sing in the choir. You show up for every, every rummage sale and potluck, every ministry and program and Bible study that happens in the church. How is it that in all that time you never got around to joining the church? And then Barb, she answered my question by telling me this story. She said, well, pastor, she said, many years ago uh, when I was younger, she said, I was a member at another church. It wasn't a Methodist church. She told me what church it was, but that's not important this morning. You don't need to know about that. All you need to know is it wasn't a Methodist church. She said, I grew up in that church. I got married in that church. I was every bit as active in, in ministry at that church as I, as I am at this church. And she said, but then one day my husband asked me for a divorce, She said, no, I knew that we'd been having troubles, and and I was still working hard to try to make our marriage work. I was willing to keep on going and to keep on trying, but my husband, he decided that that he was done. He wasn't going to put the effort in anymore. There was nothing I could do to change his mind, nothing I could do to, to talk him out of it. And so we got a divorce, she said. And she said, the Sunday after our divorce was finalized, the pastor of that church got up in the pulpit, and he preached This fire and brimstone sermon about the virtues of Christian marriage and about the sin of divorce. And she said the whole time he was preaching that sermon, he was looking directly at me where I was sitting out in the pews. And she said then when he got to the end of his sermon, he took my membership certificate and he set it on fire. He burned it in front of the whole congregation. She said, I walked out of the church that day and I never went back. And she said, it took me years to work up the courage to walk through the doors of a church again, to sit in the pew of a church again. She said, when I finally did, when I finally worked up the courage, she said, I went to the Methodist because I heard that the Methodists don't judge people who have been through divorces. And she said, I found that that was true. She said, the people of this church have been good to me and they've loved me and, and I found a home here. I found a place here, she said. But the thing is, when I walked out the door of that church all those years ago, I made myself a promise She said, I promised myself that I would never join another church again. I promised myself that I would never again become a member of an organization that had the power to kick me out and hurt me the way that that church hurt me. That's the best answer I've ever had to the question, why have you never got around to joining the church? One of the things I've learned in my years of ministry is that Barb is not alone. There are a lot of people like Barb out there. There are a lot of people who have been hurt by the church, a lot of people who have been judged by Christians, a lot of people who have left churches in pain, and then it takes them years to work up the courage to walk through the doors of a church again, to give church another try, to sit down in the pews of a church again. And when they do, when they sit down in the pews of a church again, after all those years of hurting and pain, they feel this fear. They feel this anxiety. They sit in the pews and and they wonder, yes, these people all seemed warm and friendly as I was walking through the front door. But will they be this warm and friendly when they learn my story? Will they be so kind and loving when they know my marital status, when they learn my relationship status? There are a lot of barbs out there. There are a lot of barbs in here. And the thing is, it's not just people who have been through divorce who, who feel this way. Single moms feel that way the first time they walk into a new church. People who are in same-gender relationships feel that way when they walk through the doors of a new church. People who are are in relationships but for whatever reason have never got married feel that way when they walk through the doors of a new church. They wonder, am I going to be loved here? Are people going to keep on loving me when they know my relationship status or am I just setting myself up for heartbreak and pain? There's a lot of barbs out there in the world today. Maybe you know that feeling. Maybe you also have felt that anxiety. Maybe you have also felt that, that fear. Maybe you also have held back and wondered how much of my story can I, how much of my story should I share with the people in this place where I worship. If, if you've ever felt that way, I'm glad you're here today. There's a word from Scripture that, that I, I want you to hear this morning. So in this morning scripture reading, we have a, a little bit of this letter that the apostle Paul writes to the people of the church in Corinth. Paul was a, letter, a leader in the church. There was a church in the city of Corinth, a congregation there, and this church was in conflict. This church was in turmoil, and a lot of the conflict and a lot of the turmoil had to do with people judging each other because of their relationship status, because of their marital status. What happened was this. Back in those days, back in the time of Paul and the time of, of Jesus, there was this powerful expectation that everybody would get married normal people get married everybody should get married it's just it's just what you do the Jewish rabbis taught that every Jewish man should be married by the time he was 18 years old they said you're not really a man until you're married that was the expectation that people had in those days and then suddenly along comes Jesus along comes this unmarried bachelor 30-something rabbi and people don't have any idea what to do with Jesus Jesus speaks about the value of marriage. Jesus talks about the importance of marriage. But Jesus never seemed to be interested in getting married himself. In fact, he never did get married. And so in the early church, the followers of Jesus were left scratching their heads and trying to figure out how how are we supposed to follow Jesus? Do we get married? Do we remain single like Jesus did? What are we supposed to do? What are our relationships supposed to look like? And in that moment of confusion, as people were sorting all of these things out, in that church in the city of Corinth, there was somebody. We don't know who it was. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a pastor, a preacher. In that church, there was somebody who started teaching the people that the best way to follow Jesus was to remain single and to never get married. And that teaching caused all kinds of chaos and havoc and confusion in the church. You can imagine the kind of situations that that put people in. There were young people in the church who fell in love and they wanted to get married and so they came to the elders of the church and they said, please give us permission to get married and the elders of the church said, no. They said, don't spend all of that time and energy and money on a wedding dress and on a wedding cake. They said, instead, pour your life into serving God. Don't waste your time with all of this marriage stuff and you can imagine how much the young people in the church liked that. They were bitter and angry and resentful and so on Sunday morning... When the church of Corinth got together for worship, the young people in the church would sit in the pews and they would glare across the room at the elders of the church. And then there were people who were already married. And Some of the people who were already married decided that even though they were married, they were going to try to follow Jesus by living as though they weren't married. And so there were married couples who started sleeping in separate bedrooms, and there were spouses who stopped having marital relations with their spouses. And these decisions were not always mutual decisions. And so there was bitterness and anger and resentment in people's marriages. And sometimes in that church in Corinth, you had spouses sitting in the pews and glaring at each other on Sunday morning. And then there were people who were married to unbelievers. Nobody knew what to do with the people who were married to unbelievers. Some people said it was a sin for them to remain in that marriage to an unbelieving person. Some people said it was a sin for them to get a divorce. And so half the church started judging the other half of the church for being married. And half the church started judging the other half of the church for being divorced. When people got together on Sunday morning in Corinth, nobody had any fun. They all just sat in the pews and glared at each other and stewed in their bitterness and anger and resentment. And then finally, one day, somebody said, why don't we ask Paul? Why don't we write a letter and ask the Apostle Paul if he has any wisdom to share with us, if he can give us any advice and help us sort all of these things out. So they wrote the Apostle Paul a letter. Paul wrote them a letter back, his, his first letter to the Corinthians. Now, in, in this letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul spends an awful lot of time. He goes on for pages talking about human relationships and, and all of these different situations. What we have, the part that Dale read just a moment ago, is just a brief snippet of this long section of the letter where Paul talks about all of these relationships and marriages. You can go home this afternoon and read the whole thing. We're not going to go over everything that Paul says this morning. Instead, what I want to share with you this morning is three things that you will notice if you go home and read this letter on your own this afternoon three things that I hope you spot when you read these words from the apostle Paul the first thing I hope you'll notice when you read this letter is is the humility of the apostle Paul as he writes to the Corinthians about their relationships you know Paul Paul does not have a reputation for being a humble person in a lot of his letters, he writes, listen to me because I'm an apostle of Jesus and you got to do what I say. You know, Paul, Paul is not always humble when he's writing these letters, but in this letter, on this uh, one, one particular topic, Paul is incredibly humble. He refuses to place himself in a position of judgment over anybody because of their, their relationship status, their marital status. At several points as he's writing to the Corinthians, the apostle Paul, he says, listen, I want you to understand, please understand that the words I'm sharing with you, the advice I'm giving you, right Right now, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. These are not the words of Jesus. Don't get those two things mixed up, Paul says. At one point, Paul says, listen, please hear me now. This is my opinion I'm sharing with you. These are not commandments. Paul is incredibly humble as he's writing to the Corinthians about these things. He refuses, refuses to sit in judgment over anybody. That's the first thing to notice when you, you read what the Apostle Paul says. The second thing to notice is how practical the Apostle Paul is. You know, he recognizes the human reality of human relationships. When you read this letter, you're going to see that the Apostle Paul gets how people work. He understands what people are like, what their lives are like. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he says, what do you think is going to happen if you don't let the young people get married? He says, what do you think is going to happen off in the dark corners of your Sunday school rooms if you don't let the young people get married? I'm paraphrasing right now, but only just a little. The Apostle Paul, in writing this letter, he says, if you don't let the young people get married, you're just setting them up for frustration and failure. He says, if people want to get married, let them get married. Get out of the way. And Paul says, those of you who are married, be married married what good are you doing anybody by not living if as if you're married you who are are already married he said you're just setting yourselves up for for temptation and betrayal and pain paul says if you're married be married if you're single be single he says be what you are paul is incredibly practical about the human realities of human relationships that's the second thing to notice and the third thing to notice And maybe the most important thing you'll notice when you read this letter is that Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he writes with compassion. Paul says to the Corinthians, if you are married, enjoy the gift of marriage. He says, be married, work hard at being married, do everything you can, put everything you have into that marriage, Paul says. But then in the very next breath, the Apostle Paul recognizes that sometimes a marriage is just too far gone. He recognizes that sometimes, especially if only one person is putting in effort, especially if only one person is trying to save a marriage, sometimes a marriage simply cannot be saved. And the Apostle Paul, he says to the Corinthians, when that happens, in those circumstances, he says, don't place yourself in judgment over each other. Don't look down on one another. He says, set people free to move on with their lives. Paul speaks with incredible compassion, and he says, above all, he says, serve Jesus Follow Jesus. If you're single, follow Jesus. If you're in a good marriage, follow Jesus. If you're in a bad marriage, follow Jesus. If you're divorced, follow Jesus. If you're dating, follow Jesus. If you're engaged, follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians following Jesus is not about a marital status, it's not about a relationship status, it's about breathing in the love of God all the way to the bottom of our souls and then breathing it back out into the world. And all of us can do that right now as we are. Whatever our marital status, whatever circumstances life has placed us in, all of us right now can breathe the love of God into ourselves and breathe it back out into the world, he says. That's what matters, and all of us can do that now as we are. There's a lot of barbs out there. There's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of people sitting in the pews of churches who are longing for, who are searching for a community of believers who can be humble and practical and compassionate when it comes to people's human relationships and their marital statuses. There's a lot of people like Barb out there who are looking for a church that won't judge them, a church that will love them, even, even when we all know the whole story. You know, My prayer this morning is that the Barbs of this world would find Court Street Church or a church like it. My prayer this morning is that God would find them wherever they are and help them find within themselves the courage to walk through the door of a church and sit down in the pews again. And my prayer when those people come to Court Street Church, my prayer is that they will sit down in the pews and they will open the bulletin and they will see the words at the very beginning of the bulletin, the words that say, We welcome everyone regardless of marital status. My prayer is that in that moment they would breathe in the peace of God. They would let go of anxiety and fear and that they would know that they found a family, that they would know that they found a home. Let's pray. God, we pray. We pray that you would give us a spirit of humility. We pray that you would help us to be as practical-minded about human relationships as the Apostle Paul was. God, we pray that you would fill us with the compassion of Paul, the love of Jesus. That people who walk through the doors of this place would know that it's okay to share themselves, it's okay to share their story. That what matters in this place is not relationship status, not marital status. What matters in this place is the love of God and the ways in which we receive it and share it with the world. God, we pray that no one who comes to this place would ever feel small, unseen, or unwanted. God, we pray that your love would live in this place and that it would live in us. In Jesus we pray. Amen.